You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily NFL fantasy podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Vinny Iron. When I'm not doing this, I'm writing about NFL and fantasy football for SportingNews.com. It's Friday, so we're wrapping up the week looking at where we stand with the rankings and the players and the upside for teams across the league. We're up to our fifth division, so we've knocked down half the league here. Uh, We looked at the entire NFC in our previous four shows of the week, so if you missed the NFC East breakdown, the NFC North breakdown, NFC South breakdown, NFC West, it was our last show. Uh, Check them out, and uh, we'll have you covered on all those teams from those divisions, so half the league. Now we're going to turn to the other half of the league and kick off our look at the AFC. We're going to focus on the AFC East today, so look at where all the players are going there. In order, we'll go look at the Bills, the premier team in this division in terms of offense and uh, fantasy football implications, and then uh, turn to the Patriots and Jets a little less so, and then the Dolphins having their own type of intrigue with some question marks over a bunch of guys here, but still some offensive upside there with Tua Tagovola. So we'll go from Josh Allen to Tua on the show. In between, we'll look at the Patriots and Jets in uh, different directions at quarterback there in the middle. So, good breakdown here to close the week. We'll also uh, tell you what the fallout is of that uh, trade the Patriots made, moving uh, Sonny Michelle to the Rams and uh, changing their depth chart in the backfield. So, we'll break all that down before we get into it. The NFL season is about to begin and nobody covers it like the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure that you're checking out the Locked On Ultimate Season Preview. We're going to take you through every team in every division with the help of Odyssey experts, Ross Tucker and Jason Lacanfora. This is August 30th, starting next Monday, all the way through September 8th. Here the Ultimate Season Preview. Follow the Ultimate Season Preview 2021 feed on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts to tune in beginning again next Monday, August 30th. So good stuff there, reality-wise. Good stuff here, fantasy football-wise. Let us continue and break down and start with the Bills here for you and their rankings report. Stephon Diggs is still holding steady as the Bills' most coveted fantasy football asset here. He's going as the wide receiver three behind Devontae Adams here, and uh, Tyreek Hill are basically the guys going ahead. I might have more interest in Diggs over Tyreek, but I don't have necessarily Diggs higher than Calvin Ridley in my mind. So Diggs may be going a little bit higher He's not a big touchdown scorer. He had a lot of volume last year. They added a lot of help for him in the passing game. So I don't think Josh Allen, as he matures a quarterback, is going to lock in so much and be desperate to get the ball to Diggs in every situation. Allen is going to stretch the field and get the ball to Diggs that way. He's going to throw to him as a possession receiver as well. But when we look at Diggs again, I don't think he's going to have that return. Where I feel confident, because Adams and Hill have given us that return, especially with the touchdowns, and Ridley also with his high finish and scoring ability here. So that's why I like those two a little those three, I should say, more than digs at this point. They're scoring upside. I think the yardage could be the same. And I think you'll see a bit of drop in volume in terms of uh, Diggs' catches. They diversify a little bit. I don't know if he's in the class there of DeAndre Hopkins in terms of that consistent volume that we can trust here. But Diggs did come around, turned the corner, really became the dominant target that he wanted to be last year. I think it cools off a little bit. It just maybe 
don't want to overdraft him and get too aggressive. Uh, I've seen him go as the wide receiver two behind Adams, even the wide receiver one. I'm not going to go there here, uh, and I like him a little bit more in uh, full point PPR than I do in half and standard. So again, be wary of Diggs. I still think splitting airs between Diggs and Ridley. Could Diggs score higher than Ridley? Sure. Could he score higher than Hill? Sure. But I just have a vibe that I would go more toward dominant number ones, and I think you see that with Adams Hill and Ridley in particular this season over Diggs. We go to Josh Allen. He's 41st overall, the number two quarterback on the board behind Patrick Mahomes. Makes a lot of sense. He has a good running baseline. He's a good throwing baseline. This is a throwing offense. They're going to be pass happy still. They're trying to fix the running game, but it's been difficult with Zach Moss hurt, Devin Singletary looking eh, so-so. So I think Josh Allen is still going to be their most reliable runner in key situations. Goal line back with his big size here. He does have that 2015 Cam Newton-like MVP season in him if he wants it. So again, Josh Allen, certainly he can be aggressive to get him. He's going in the fourth round. I think that's about right here. If he's dropping, I think I'd rather take him more in the late fourth round. I'm more of a QB wait and see type of guy. So I'm going to jump on these guys if there's value, but I'm not going to say I'm going to use a, say, a second or even the mid-third round pick on Josh Allen here instead. So I want to take him where he's at, and if he drops below that, then he's a really good value there at quarterback. And I don't know how much he'll separate from the rest, but I, I really think when you look at Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and Kyler Murray, they do have a separate tier here that I trust uh, before we get Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, that group. So that's another reason, too, that you don't want to overdraft Allen. You can still get some good value with J- Jackson or Wilson Prescott and some of that there in the next tier that uh, would not surprise me if uh, multiple guys in that next tier finish higher than Allen, but that said, you know the baseline is there for Allen, and he's going to be rather productive. Just be careful about overdrafting any quarterback, not just Josh Allen as an elite option. The next bill on the board, we drop all the way down to Zach Moss, 85 overall. He's going as a borderline running back three. Devin Singletary is going right after him, 106 and 42. Matt Breida, we'll see if he makes the team. He's going all the way down at 272. And 73 is his ranking here. So another one of those tough young committees to fight through. We lean towards Moss, but we don't want to spend too much money in Moss. I don't know if I want to take him as an RB3. That means you have to see if you can commit to him as a flex. It's hard to do that. I think I like Singletary's value a little bit more, 106 and 42. I just don't like either of these guys, to be honest with you. With Allen being the goal line back on this team, I don't know how committed to the run they'll be. They could have different interchangeable roles here, so it, it could be frustrating every week to know who to start. Remember, Zach Moss uh, had some flashes with touchdowns last year. Singletary was more available. We don't know if Brita's going to really be in the mix at all here either, so a lot of question marks. I want to avoid these situations as much as possible. Moss's injury doesn't inspire. Singletary just not the most durable guy and kind of limited in his skill set as well, so we want it to be Zach Moss. We want to will it to be Zach Moss, but it's not going to necessarily happen here. So be wary of overdrafting him again. I would feel a little bit better about taking him as an RB4 value than trying to expect RB3 flex return from Moss. And uh, that's why Singletary is a little bit better value there in the other side of the 100 in fantasy football. Now, Cole Beasley, I don't understand this kind of ranking. 143 for him. We know Cole Beasley is having all kinds of other issues here. He's 57th at running back, or wide receiver, I should say. So he's falling as a wide receiver 5, but you also look at uh, the other guy, uh, Gabriel Davis. He's falling into wide receiver 6 category at 65. They like him and his upside, 167 overall. And then you also have Emmanuel Sanders at 171 there and uh, falling at 67 overall. So 
You do have kind of a log jam between those three receivers. I think they're going to spread the ball around quite a bit. I think they're going to trust Sanders quite a bit. So when I see this log jam of three wide receivers, and the industry is ranking them all close together, and this is the half-point consensus expert rankings on fancy pros, then I'm going to go with the best value. And right now, that's Emmanuel Sanders. He's a veteran. They went out and got him to replace John Brown. Davis, I think, is next year. Unwrap him. Beasley's the more limited slot guy. I think the guy that's interchangeable digs more to fit what they need offensively with the speed and veteran savvy to stretch the field i think that's more sanders so i'm going to go with the better value of the three and that is sanders there over davis and beasley i'm not interested really at beasley i think davis certainly has some upside beasley just doesn't have much i mean he wasn't much of a scorer until he got to the bills uh, with cowboys with a limited slot producer he was out of necessity a big role in that first year with josh allen it's kind of fading and going in that direction so it's sanders there who can work the slot if needed and run the outside. Davis having some big playability on the outside. I'm much more interested in Davis's upside and Sanders' ability. I don't see you'll get a lot of value, but in a certain matchup off the bench, I think you get some good value as a wide receiver three there in your lineups uh, in certain matchups where you expect the Bills to be thrown a lot, and Diggs maybe has a tough matchup and they need to diversify and throw to another player. The Bills' defense is going at 201. I like this definitely aggressive defense special teams one here ninth right in the middle they have a lot of playmakers there i think they upgraded their pass rush they at least try to work on it we know they have very good secondary with Tredavis white you have matt milano tremaine edmonds at their at linebacker so certainly a lot of playmakers on the field they're going to play with leads they're going to tee off on some teams put some pressure on them to throw quite a bit the sacks and takeaways so pretty solid complimentary defense here for the bills that are useful in fantasy football tyler bass pretty solid here. I think he's still underrated as a kicker. 230 and going 10, I think with more experience navigating the weather and all that and uh, this offense being very potent, I would take Tyler Bass inside the top eight here at kicker. Then you have uh, Breda, as we mentioned, 272 and 73, well off the board. You have Dawson Knox. We're trying to figure out Dawson Knox if he's going to have a bigger role, but a lot of wide receiver mouths to feed here between uh, Diggs, Beasley, Davis, and Sanders. You also have Jacob Hollister trying to make the team and should be the number two here for the Bills, so hard to know Knox versus Hollister. This could be the last straw here for Knox to try to show his worth here, but certainly fading from this offense here in 2021. All right, we will... uh, get into uh, the rest of the teams here in our final two segments so we'll get to uh, next the patriots and jets but before we do that i got to tell you more about built bar celebrate freedom of choice with built bar did you know that built bar has so many delicious flavors there's something for everyone i'm a built bar fan and you know if you've talked to one of us we're definitely passionate about our favorites i've talked to you a lot about the ones i love but Double chocolate salted caramel, two of my favorites, uh, covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. If you don't know the Bilt Bar flavors, well, you're missing out. And the only way to get in on Bilt Bar and try these flavors is to get a box to your home. Some of these uh, that uh, they have are standout flavors. You just won't get them anywhere else. Coconut cherry, barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, and German chocolate. Yeah, those are protein bars, but they also sound like desserts don't they? So you can't go wrong with your favorite flavor. And if you want to try their core flavors, all you have to do is get a mix box where we get two each of the nine flavors here. So 17, 18 grams protein in each built Bar. So these built Bar's flavors, they're great and they're tasty, but they're also healthy for you too. You can also know that they're between 130 and 80 calories, only four or five grams sugar, only four to five grams net carbs. All amazing flavors, whatever they have out there, their special flavors, their core flavors, all tasty, all healthy. Order and get whatever you like here from Built Bar. Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. 
and we know of BYU. So you're supporting uh, some good teams there. Go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCK15. You'll get 15% off your order. Use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. We'll be right back here to continue breaking down the rankings report for the AFC East, continuing with the Patriots and the Jets. All right, let us continue with New England. They're shaking things up. We're still waiting on that Cam Newton-Mac Jones decision. It should be imminent here after the final preseason game, but that's not really what we're interested too much in in fantasy football in 2021 and uh, redraft leagues. We're looking at uh, Damian Harris. We're a lot more confident about Damian Harris, aren't we? He's going 61 Overall, 27, so still falling into the RB3 category as a top flex, but I think now you can look at him more comfortably as an RB2. It doesn't matter if you're playing in half-point PPR or the rankings we're looking at or full PPR standard. I think Damian Harris is the key part of the backfield. That's why they were able to move Sonny Michelle to the Rams. So Damian Harris gets a big bump there. James White is his only real concern here in getting touches initially, 129 and 46 for him, so he's going as a running back four, and more valuable, of course, in half and full point PPR, where not as much appeal in standard leagues for James White, especially with the Ramondre Stevenson, who should continue to rise here with uh, Michelle out of the way as a power back. I loved him in Oklahoma. I thought he was a draft steal for this team. He had a big run that was awesome to watch scoring in the preseason, 237 and 68, so He's going to get his opportunities at some point, but they love Damian Harris. He had a great career at Alabama, second-round pick, complete back here. So you'll see some of James White spelling him in the receiving game, of course, but we haven't seen that James White kind of chemistry that we've seen with Tom Brady recreated with Cam Newton. I don't know if we'll see it with Mac Jones. I think it might be a little bit more committee. So Harris can certainly slide over and catch passes if needed, and Ramondre Stevenson is going to help out on those early downs in the red zone. But I still see Harris seeing a ball a lot, and I now want to take him more confidently with Michelle completely out of the way as an RB2 versus a flex player in 2021. Jonu Smith is at 117 overall, 14th at tight end, and you have Hunter Henry Behind him, 132 overall, 17th at tight end. So we're not sure exactly what these two tight ends are going to do. Remember them. They were good, valuable tight end uh, scorers there with their former teams, respectively, the Titans and the Chargers. Now they're splitting duty. We're not sure how much they're going to use 12-team personnel, but you figure they will because, look, they invested in two of these guys. I mean, a lot of money in two tight ends, but they also like their blocking. They want to help support their offensive line in the running game. So we also don't have a lot of upside and confidence in the quarterback situation, whether it's Newton or Jones. So, again, hard to invest too much in the Patriots' tight ends. More wait-and-see approach. I'd still take Jonu, as we've seen a little bit more of him in the preseason, Hunter Henry Hurt, as the guy that we look at. But more tight end two stashes with wait-and-see approach to see if they're going to deliver for you versus feeling confident about wanting to trot out Jonu there right away. But you might be stuck with Jonu in a deeper league in a 14-team and above starting or Henry So and hope for the best. So we really want to avoid these situations, these tight end by committees there, especially when both are equally good at receiving and blocking. It's really hard to know how things could go with the Patriots. So the Patriots, good at killing fantasy football value of a lot of players. I think Jonu and Hunter Henry have done that. Here, Nelson Aguilar was actually finished as a wide receiver three, so I kind of like his value as a wide receiver four here. He is the best wide receiver they have. They do have Jacoby Myers in the slot. He's going 157 and 62, so he's going as a wide receiver six. Aguilar is going as a wide receiver five early. Aguilar is just a little bit more versatile. You can use him inside, outside. He's a big play threat. He's underrated in terms of the route running and all that. They like technically sound guys. You look at the rest of the receiving core. Nikhil Harry down at 296 if he makes the team. 101 at 
wide receiver and Kendrick Bourne right behind him, 297 and 102. So that tells you that no one knows what to do with these extra receivers and we don't have a lot of interest here if we're only investing a wide receiver uh, five in the best uh, Patriots receiver in Aguilar. So Aguilar versus Myers, it's a tough one. I would say go for the guy that uh, has the better value in Myers, but I like Aguilar in this particular brand of offense here and I don't see Harry and Bourne really cutting into much. So you're not going to get any big return, but you could stream them in certain situations with the right matchups. Be careful there. You have to just make sure the Patriots are thrown. And I actually might feel more confident if Jones, Mac Jones, is starting there over Cam Newton. We also have uh, the defense might be the best asset overall. That isn't Damian Harris on this team. 197 and 8. Pretty solid defense still. Right in the middle. Smack dab. I like them. Solid, reliable play there. Cam Newton is 235. Mac Jones is 314. We know that can change dramatically once we know who's actually starting this. But Cam Newton all the way down at the QB3s. Mac Jones is the first of the QB4s. That tells you there's not a lot of inspiration in this passing game. Newton at least can give you a bit of running upside and scoring there. But again, they could also run quite a bit and score with Harris and Stevenson in the backfield here. So yeah, Newton and Jones. We don't care much about this battle in fantasy football, and that's exactly how we should uh, play it here in 2021. Let's go to the Jets. Uh, The Jets start pretty low here. Their best player on the board is Michael Carter, the rookie from North Carolina, running back 79, overall 33 at the position, so he's going as a running back 3. Yeah, that's where you have to start as a flex, because we're not going to know for sure how this is going to play out between Tevin Coleman, who's going 148th overall, 51 at uh, running back, so he's uh, running back 5 here. There for the Jets. Carter's going as a running back three, and you also have uh, one Ty Johnson going 257 and 71. So, just backfield may be seeming like a mess to avoid, but you still have to tap into the upside of Carter over anyone else here versus uh, really reaching for nothing for Coleman or Johnson here in 2021. Michael Pirine, forget about him. His time is done here with the Jets having any kind of role. For them. Corey Davis, this is an underrated player. He's going as a wide receiver four. I don't like that. He's at 99 overall. He's a clear go-to guy for the Jets. They're going to be high volume for the Jets passing the ball. They're not going to have the consistent running game. Their defense is going to stink. Zach Wilson has a great chemistry. We're still figuring out the rest between Keelan Cole and all the other receivers here for the Jets. So I'm looking at uh, Corey Davis being a key, key receiver. No no matter how you look at it, Cole has been like a slot utility player there for different teams, so not interested in Keelan Cole, not interested in too much in any other wide receiver other than uh, one Elijah Moore. You have uh, Moore going at 150 overall, 58th there at the position. There you have Jamison Crowder, not interested in him, low upside. He was a Sam Darnold slot favorite there, 170 and 66. You have Denzel Mims, who's been the doghouse all the time in this new offense doesn't fit his skill set exactly, 253 and 90. So not interested in Crowder, Wilson, or Cole. Davis certainly, I think, can finish as a borderline a wide receiver 2-3. And that mark there after finishing as wide receiver 29 in his final year with the Titans last year. So again, I think Wilson and Davis is going to be a great connection. I don't trust the Cole-Wilson connection as much. And I don't trust the Crowder Wilson as much, but more stashing as a rookie upside there at 150 58. That's where I'm going in this receiving core with the Jets, Davis, or more, but no Crowder, Mims, or anyone else here. Now we look at Zach Wilson. I also think he can overachieve. He's going as the first quarterback three, 184 overall, 25th of the position. I think he'll finish as a solid QB2. I think that's totally reasonable. He's got a good running upside as well to help his uh, passing stats. His team is going to pass rather well. Again, the. 
Weapons are deep. I don't trust a lot of them individually, but as a whole, they're not too bad. You have a decent offensive line as well with Mike Mackay Becton, and they also invested on the left side there with Elijah Barrett Tucker. So this team is very solid overall up front to protect the quarterback, so there's going to be some opportunities to put up some garbage numbers for sure for this rebuilding team for Robert Saleh and Mike LaFleur. Um, we're wondering if there's any tight end value for the Jets. 271 and uh, 31 is the numbers for Chris Herndon. They have a little bit of depth there, but again, Chris Herndon, we've talked about him before. Is he a post-type sleeper? No, I think he's just post-type sleeping here. Just not a guy that I'm going to trust with those wide receiver depths and things like we're looking at. I think next year the Jets will look for a more reliable tight end there that they can trust instead of this committee approach with Herndon and, and Ryan Griffin and all that here. For Zach Wilson, I think it's going to be a more wide receiver-oriented team, and that's where the depth lies as well. And finally, the Jets' defense, a work in progress with Salah, 274-24. So the last defense special teams, two on the board. I think they have a little bit of upside because of Salah in the scheme, but I don't think you'll see that until next year. They did have a big hit there and Carl Lawson going down in the preseason. So, yeah, Jets' defense off the radar, even in a streaming situation, partly because you can't trust their offense either. All right, so there's a look at the Patriots and Jets. We still have one more team to talk about. The Dolphins will get into that in our final segment. But uh, I have to tell you about betonline.ag. It's that time of year, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million Dollar NFL Mega Contest and the world's largest 200,000 NFL Survivor Contest open now at Bet Online. You can head to the website or use a mobile device and sign up today, and then you'll receive your 100% welcome bonus. All you have to do is enter the promo code LOCKED ON. And also be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo. That means make a bet on their Thursday, September 9th season opener. We can't wait for that between the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded all the way up to $25. This is for new customers only when signing up and using the promo code NFL100. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't forget those. Don't wait and take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online. Check out your online sportsbook experts. Again, get that promo code in locked on to get that 100% welcome bonus. We'll be right back here to close the show and the week by looking at the Dolphins and where they're going in fantasy football drafts here in 2021. All right, so one last team that we're looking at here on the show as we uh, put the ranking spotlight on the AFC East. Again, we're using half-point PPR as our format to split the difference between standard and PPR leagues here. So let's look at the Dolphins, an intriguing team. Many questions about them. Let's start in the backfield. That seems to be the biggest question mark controversy here. 51 overall for Miles Gaskin. He's going as a running back 25 here. So Gaskin, there's a lot of doubts on Gaskin given the usage of Malcolm Brown and Salvin Ahmed in the preseason, but Every time they went back to the Miles Gaskin well last year, keep in mind, whenever he's healthy, it was Miles Gaskin. It was all about Gaskin. His coaching staff likes him. I know they changed offensive coordinators, but it's still the running backs coach, Eric Studesville, with uh, the tight ends coach, George Godsey. So I've talked about this a lot. Don't be fooled by what the Dolphins might be saying and saying it's a committee. There are specific roles that Malcolm Brown and Solomon Ackman have. Brown is a swing backup that you can plug in any situation. He's very reliable. Ackman is the home run hitter, and he'll have some chances to do that there against uh, tired, worn-down defenses, but 
Gaskin is the guy that's the best overall skill set. Keep in mind, Ahmed was pretty good last year, and they went back to Gaskin as soon as he was available. And they could have invested a lot more in a backup than Malcolm Brown, but they just went with a guy that pretty solid, can do the little things well. The poor man's Damian Williams, or the rich man's Damian Williams there beyond Gaskin. But Gaskin is an RB3 early. That's a good value for sure. I think he can definitely return pretty good flex value. Am I overdrafting him? No. But at that spot, he's in a very good position here to produce there, with even with Ahmed and Brown. Brown going 178, so not a lot of overreaction there. His ranking, he's going as a running back 5, where you have running back 6 for Salvin Ahmed there. So there's certainly a little bit of uh, separation there between Gaskin, Brown, and Ahmed, and I'm still feeling pretty good about Gaskin being the feature guy. Now the other debate going on for the Dolphins is which wide receiver do you take and where? Will Fuller has dropped to 98th overall, 37th, so he's out of wide receiver 3 range here. Devontae Parker's at wide receiver 5 at 122 overall at 49. So is Jalen Wall right behind him at 124 and 51. So again, when two players are ranked together by the experts very closely, there's a lot of mystery on who's going to dominate. Now, who am I going to go with in this situation? I'm going with the first round pick with upside. Not interested in Will Fuller too much. He's missing week one. He's a walking durability issue with his soft tissue injuries. So not interested in Will Fuller at all in stretching the field. I have to believe it there when I see it. Uh, Devontae Parker, pretty solid, but he's had his time. He needs a more veteran quarterback. But Jalen Waddle, you do have that history with Tua Tagovola. I'd much rather take him there in that wide receiver five spot with some upside than I'm trying to really squeeze anything out of note that I can trust with Fuller or Parker, especially when none of them are considered starting wide receivers in fantasy football. Go with the one who is upside, and Waddle easily is the best value of the three over Fuller and Parker. Mike Gusecki, people are torn on him as well. There's a lot of Dolphins mystery here, and that's good by Brian Flores and the coaching staff. Not great for fantasy, but good for reality to keep people guessing. I don't think they're going to totally abandon using Gusecki as a key receiver. Everyone's looking, oh, they're going to use 11 personnel, and it's going to be Fuller, Parker, and Waddle. No room for Gusecki to produce, but Gusecki can still be on the field with those guys. He's going to be treated less like a slot receiver, and especially when you have the tight ends coach call in place. They like Gusecki. They're going to try to get the ball in his hands here. So I think he's just about right. You don't want to overdraft him. At 112 overall, he's a borderline final tight end one on the board. That's about right for Mike Kiseki. You could say he's even lower until we wait and see with him. But two and him certainly have a little bit of established chemistry. He's still getting used to Fuller in the NFL. He has a little bit more chemistry with Waddle. He was off a little bit with Parker. So I think Kiseki is going to have better value than you think. He's not going to totally go away. I know they want to say field stretching, speed, speed, all that. But Kiseki is very athletic. Again, he came on strong down the stretch last year when two was starting. They're not going to ignore that and still give him a key role here early in the season and throughout. Uh, again, very talented receiver, so he's not going to go away anytime soon. Tua, this is a player I'm not interested in at all. I mean, look at the wide receiver situation. Question marks about them. Question marks about Kaseki. Why would we take Tua as a mid-range QB2? Not interested. He, he's going to be up and down. He might have some values of streaming, super flex in certain situations, but in terms of redraft leagues, I can do better with some upside QBs that have boomer bust potential. You look at Daniel Jones, having a little bit more juice than Tua maybe later in the drafts. Baker Mayfield should be going well ahead of Tua, and somehow they're ranked below or right there together. So I don't get it with Tua. I want to wait to see. I get that it could be a breakout season, but there are a lot of question marks. He's basically starting his rookie season again. He didn't start full-time last year. New offense, new weapons, all that kind of stuff, new philosophy. So I'm going to shy away from taking Tua as a high-end QB2 is what he's going at. I'm more down at the bottom of the QB2s, maybe even the QB3s, until I see something I can be comfortable with. So we talked about the running backs. So you had 
Gaskin going pretty early, and then Brown and Ackman going pretty late. And then you have to f- look at a kicker, and it's Jason Sanders. He's pretty reliable here, 213 overall, number five. So if your league still uses kicker, that's the way to go. Now, the Dolphins' defense ranking might surprise you, 226 overall, 15th of the position. So falling well into defense special teams, too, here in uh, 2021. So it's uh, hard uh, to predict. I mean, Xavier Howard had a ton of interceptions last year. They restructured his contract, gave him a little bit more reward, but there's still a question mark over uh, what they can do here with uh, him and the playmakers. We know it's volatile. The play- sacks and takeaways are very fickle from season one season to next, and I think you'll see that with Miami this year. So certainly be careful, but again, that's still pretty good value when you look at them at at defense special teams 15. I think somebody will probably overdraft them a little higher, which I think is okay because I think they'll have that return. But it's good to have them as a baseline a little bit lower so you can uh, really take advantage of them uh, being a pretty good bargain for you in 2021. And finally, Preston Williams. Yeah, he's still around. 289, 97th at uh, wide receiver. Don't see it a lot here. Again, Waddle's the guy I'm targeting there for the Dolphins passing game uh, after I'm looking at Mike Isecki yielding some back-end tight end one value here. In 2021, and after I look at Miles Gaskin as a borderline RB2, RB3 player in 2021. Alright, uh, do have to remind you here about betting on the NFL. Doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, at Lee Sterling's Lock of the Day. Follow Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts. So that wraps up another week of Locked On Fantasy Football. We took care of our rankings report for the AFC East, and we're doing this uh, based on the updated expert consensus rankings. So they're changing rapidly. So as we're recording, we're doing it based on our current information. We'll do that again for you as we kick off a week of shows next Monday. We still have three more divisions to talk about. We'll talk about the AFC North next uh, there with uh, all the excitement between the Browns, Bengals, Ravens, and Steelers. Then we'll get into the AFC South and uh, some question marks there and then into the AFC West with our premier fantasy football team and the Chiefs and all that good stuff. So we still have uh, three more of these shows to knock out next week. A good series here and thanks so much for listening here at the Lockdown Fantasy Football. For LOFF, this is Vinny Iyer. Have a great day and have a great weekend and see you on Monday.